Hi, everyone. This is Steve Adubato. More importantly, it is my colleague in red, co-anchor and executive producer, Mary Gamba. We did not coordinate, Mary. We did not discuss this. It's just after 21, 22 years, it's just one mind. We are. It's a mind meld. And I love when it happens because we both turn our cameras on and we just kind of smile because it just happens. And there's so many different colored ties that you have, so many different shirts and blouses and dresses that I have. But we're in sync as usual. So great to see you today. Yeah, we're talking about clothing and we have such an important subject to discuss. This is part of our series on uh, research, science, innovation, and of course, leadership. And I want to bring in our great friend who got the memo, Roger DeRose, who is in fact the CEO of Kessler Foundation. Roger, we did not coordinate or collaborate. Is that correct? You're right, Steve. I just knew that today was a red day. And so I picked out a red tie for today. Yep. Great. And Roger, first of all, describe the series we're doing, and then we'll bring in uh, Steve and Gail. Well, well, Steve and Mary, it's great to be with you and your viewers. Thank you again for uh, hosting us here today. Uh, you know, this session, these sessions that you've been doing with us are so important, Steve and Mary, because we're demonstrating what leadership is all about, what innovation is all about in research. And we're so fortunate to have a leading research institution right here in our own backyard, right in New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and working so closely with great scientists that some of them you've already interviewed, but today, you're gonna be interviewing Dr. Steve Kirschblum and Dr. Gail Forrest. Dr. Gail Forrest is the director of the uh, Tim and Caroline Reynolds Center for Spinal Stimulation at Kessler Foundation. And Dr. Steve Kirschblum is the co-director of the Reynolds Center for Spinal Stimulation, but he also is the chief medical officer at Kessler Institute and also the Kessler uh, Foundation as well. So uh, you, you have two great leaders that are really demonstrating some of the most advanced research and science that we're doing in spinal cord injury that I think is gonna become the next generation of standard of care for people with uh, spinal cord injuries, Steve and Mary. Well said, and by the way, in, in post-production, Sylvester, our great editor, will be putting in the Kessler Foundation website for people who wanna know more, who want to give, who want to be a part of what's going on at Kessler Foundation. Roger, before we bring in uh, Dr. Kirschblum and Dr. Forrest, let me ask you this before we let you go. A big theme, and we actually do a Kessler Foundation Leadership Academy that Mary and I are honored at Stand and Deliver to be a part of and to facilitate. The importance of researchers and scientists, as, as Gail and Steve join us today, being excellent, compelling, effective, public communicators and leadership. Am I making too much of that? No, it's so important, Steve, because you know, the two leaders that you're gonna to hear today are presenting these results worldwide to the scientific community. They're presenting them to donors. They're presenting them to the board of, the board of trustees at Kessler Foundation. So those communication skills are so vitally important. And I know that you've been working very closely with our scientists in this area. And it's helped greatly, as you can see from many of the uh, interviews that they have done with you on New Jersey Public Television, as well as other series that you have led. So it's vital. And one more thing before I let you go, people contribute to Kessler Foundation, the money goes where? Well, that's a great point, Steve. And uh, every dollar, 100% of every dollar goes to the mission that that particular donor wants the investment to go to. 
So in, in this particular case that you're gonna hear about in the Reynolds Center for Spinal Stimulation, any donor, whether it's a dollar or it's a million dollars, 100% of that goes directly to the research in that, uh, that center for research. And it's simply because we have an endowment, we're fortunate to have an endowment that covers all of our administration fees. And that's very rare that a foundation can say 100% right. of every dollar goes to the research, to the mission of the organization. To Roger DeRose, to the great team at Kessler Foundation, it is an honor for us to be a small part of this very big and important operation to be able to bring to Lessons in Leadership this series on research, science, innovation, and leadership. Roger, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. Dr. Forrest, real quick, uh, Roger DeRose set this up so well. Talk about the work that you're doing and be more specific in terms of the research and the impact on patients. Please, Dr. Forrest. So the center has been operating since 2020 and um, it's been a really exciting time for us. We have been able to um, do really strong research looking at recovery of function, whether it be arm function, whether it be hand function, whether it be trunk function, whether it be um, lower extremity, that is the legs, and walking and standing. And so this last two years for us has enabled us to determine parameters of what we call stimulation, where we're carrying out trials of transcutaneous stimulation, where we stimulate regions of the spinal cord and we place them superficially on against the skin. And we're trying to understand why we are getting the results we're getting. And one of the results I'm talking about, I'm talking about the fact that you've got people that who are very long post-injury can now drink a glass of water if they've got an upper lesion, that is they've got a, an injury that affects their hands and their arms and their trunk. And they now have the ability to stabilize their trunk and be able to drink a glass of water, be able to eat a hamburger first time since their injury, be able to turn a page in a book first time they've been able to do that. And while we may think that's very you know, that's, that doesn't seem large. It is when you don't have it. Think about not being able to use your hands. So we've been able to carry out a number of different trials on a number of different participants, and it's been very, very successful. And now moving forward, we're poised to be one of the centres carrying out epidural stimulation over the next few months, and we've been doing a lot of work on that. And that will be even more exciting and more sure are implanted within the dura, the spinal cord. And the idea is to see if we, again, recovery of motor, recovery of cardiovascular, recovery of bowel bladder, aspects associated with the injury that aren't often discussed. And for people to find out more of the Kessler Foundation website will be up. Mary, jump in, because I know you have a question for Dr. Kirschbaum. I sure do. So Dr. Kirschbloom, it was so great to just hear uh, Gail and Dr. F well, Dr. Forrest talking about all of the innovations and all of that leadership. As the leader, um, obviously your chief medical officer at Kessler, how does that work in terms of getting the all of the researchers, all of the scientists, how do you create a culture of that need and that desire and that passion for innovation and learning? Uh, so thank you very much. That's a great question. And I think it really is something really important about leadership in general, but certainly leadership here within the Kessler Foundation. And so certainly Dr. Forrest and I as leaders of, the, of this lab, uh, it's our job to instill a, an articulate a vision of what we have, what the future will look like, to innovate and create a roadmap of how to get there. 
but it really is a lot more than just that. We really want to empower our researchers and our participants to question and to challenge us because we all wanna learn, we all wanna move forward. So I think one of the key things from the leadership perspective that we believe in is not only do we wanna create followers, but we wanna create new leaders. Leaders that will help us move the whole innovation that we're describing forward so we can really achieve the goals that we plan to. You know, it's so interesting, Mary, and, and for Gail and Steve, and, and Gail has been part of the academy uh, in the past, the Leadership Academy that we've run, and we know uh, of Steve's work. But I'm curious about this. We've asked everyone who has been a part of this series on research, science, innovation, and leadership, this question. And you're talking about some of the country and some of the world's most extraordinary scientists and researchers and innovators. But Gail, give, give me a concise answer for you and, and for Steve on this as well. Did you get into the work of science and research to quote, be a leader, or did you become a leader as you got into that world? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. Um, I got into the research to make a difference and to understand that research. And I've been very, very fortunate being at the foundation and being able to do the research I've done that as part of the foundation, we have become very much leaders in the, in the research we're doing. Um, even I've been with the foundation a long time and even everything that I've done enabled us to be innovative and it's led us to where we are. So no, I, I, I definitely got into the research and through a lot of different, different experiences and research ideas and hypotheses, we are where we are today. Steve. Yeah, you know, when I went to medical school, I wanted to look for something that I would make a difference, but more importantly, also be able to care for people who otherwise weren't being cared for. I never sought out to be a leader. But over the course of time, and that's how I ended up in, rebuild, in physical medicine rehabilitation, in working with people with disability, I recognized the importance of bringing care to this group that wasn't really being helped as much as they could be, with a tremendous ceiling of what could be done. And thankfully, given the opportunity to become a leader, hopefully to be able to share and help others reach that understanding of what we can do for our fellow, really people here, right here in New Jersey, but also across the world. Yeah. Mary, I got a couple of minutes left. Go ahead. Yeah, Dr. Kirschbloom uh, and Dr. Forrest, when it comes to the pandemic over the last two years, uh, we always say no money, no mission. What more do we need? What more do you need from anyone that's tuning in here today? As Steve said, we're going to be putting up the information of how to donate to the Kessler Foundation and the importance of doing so and truly how you're impacting lives. But what has been the greatest challenge? First question. And then just as a quick follow up, uh, really, what have you learned from that experience? So I think um, moving forward in terms of COVID, this last two years, we opened in January 20 and then COVID hit. It was an interesting time, very interesting time. Um, Excuse me, the Reynolds Center opened then, right? Right. I'm so sorry, the, go ahead. Yeah, the clarity, I apologize. Yeah, the Tim and Caroline um, Reynolds Center for Stimulation opened then, formally opened then. Um, and so we had COVID hit and excluding three months, we were operating pretty much full research and we're a very busy center. Um, the support that we gain from the foundation, the support that we gain from the Kessler Foundation, the support that we have gained from Tim and Caroline Reynolds, the support from other foundations, 
but the support from our participants has been amazing. Um, they, uh, we have a lot of participants within our research. Um, and so it has been very worthwhile having them as part of our research for the gains that we have shown. Huge, Steve. Uh, there's no doubt that COVID presented challenges to us. We have to remember that our program is not only innovation and technology, but it's also rehabilitation. And rehabilitation is a team sport. We need the researchers, the clinicians, the technicians, the patients, and even sometimes their families. And the key to COVID was isolation and separation. So I think that we learned some really important lessons. One is what amazing people we work with, both here at the Kessler Foundation and the patients who participated in our studies and wanted to move forward. And the second thing we learned is the importance of being able to move into the home environment for some of the training and for virtual monitoring as well. I do think in moving forward, though, we need to continue to work on the support. We're so thankful of the support of our local referrers, our Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, our rehabilitation partner, our staff and patients, uh, and also for the supporters, most specifically Tim and Carolyn Reynolds. But we also need to maintain our thirst for continued knowledge to be able to move forward with recognizing, though, that we're not going to have the solutions tomorrow but that every step that we take will get us to our dream a lot quicker. So well said uh, to Dr. Mm -hmm. Kirschblum and Dr. Forrest, we cannot thank you enough to Roger DeRose and the team at the Kessler, Kessler Foundation, allowing us at Lessons in Leadership to be a part of the series on research, science, innovation, and leadership, and also to frankly feature the work of the foundation, the research and the science that's just making an extraordinary difference in the lives of so many who, as uh, Dr. Farah said, being able to turn the page of a book, drink a glass of water that for so many of us, we don't even think about or take for granted. Uh, it's a huge deal. I cannot thank you, Gail, and you, Steve, enough, and Roger and the team. Thank you. It is an honor to be a small part of a much bigger operation. We're glad to be partners. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm Steve. That's Mary. This is Lessons in Leadership. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamma. Mary, how great are the Kessler Foundation people? 
They are so wonderful. And I'm always truly inspired just about their ability to lead, to innovate and make that connection. And they're truly saving lives and changing lives for the better every day. And that's really important stuff. But Dr. Kirschbaum wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that he was wearing a red tie as well. And, and I think it's Kirschbloom. Kirschbloom. Can we edit that out? No, I'm joking. Yeah. It's Dr. Kirschbloom. Thanks so much. Hey, listen, it. totally unplanned. We're talking about not only creating a culture, but also a team. Well, no, we're not a family, but we are a team. And I want to welcome to the Caucus Educational Corporation, our not-for-profit uh, production company, side for the first, it's her first day today, Linda Toro, the new vice president of marketing at the Caucus Educational Corporation. Linda, let's acknowledge this. Did, did anyone tell you you might be on television today? Uh, Mary might've given me a little bit of a warning last <laughs> week. <laughs> I, I Once I knew that Linda was gonna be coming on and just meeting some of our great partners, I said, Linda, I said, just be ready. You never know. Sometimes that camera may be asked to come on. <laughs> okay, so, so instead of making this a goofy Steve thing, let's make it more substantive. So, Linda, question. You're joining our, our, our production company. First of all, welcome. Thanks so much. This is your day one at the Caucus Educational Corporation. There are a whole bunch of things that people do. They have these formal onboarding programs, a million manuals you have to read. That's not what's happening with us. You're meeting with every one of our individual producers, team members. Mary and I are actually talking with you tomorrow about a whole range of marketing, fundraising, development issues. How do you... For you, what's the most important thing that we can do or what advice you have for others who are bringing on new people in these challenging times? Just being welcoming, friendly and being yourselves. I feel like the team has just been amazing and very open with me uh, and it's uh, been casual. So I feel like that just, everybody's been very kind of authentic and uh, it's just making me feel very welcome. You know, Mary, I appreciate Linda talking about uh, informal and friendly. We, we're very serious, and I, trust me, there's no detail that, that I miss a lot, but when I pick it up or Mary picks it up, we confront it, we deal with it, and we have very high standards, as any organization needs to have. But Mary, we're big on informality. Mm -hmm. Talk about that and bringing Linda on, because again, informal is also, hey, it's your first day, you want to come on Lessons in Leadership? Yeah. <laughs> Mary. We're, we're informal and we're spontaneous, but we're also structured. I, I like to call it sometimes controlled chaos. And yes, uh, literally uh, for Linda's first day, I had sent out a bunch of invites because I knew you and I were going to be taping today, Steve. I wanted to make sure that Linda had the opportunity to meet with each of our team members, understand what they do, and frankly, what her interaction uh, with them, each of our team members is going to be. And to Linda's credit, even just hopping on the air right now, it's three hours into her first day. And it's like, oh, Linda, I texted you, you know, come on. And that's just a testament to, uh, you know, really just who you are as a person. And one thing that I do want to say is, uh, if you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit, because we've talked about it offline, is you truly believe in the importance of relationships, both within the team and also externally. And that was one of the things that we really thought was great about you. Why do you believe that relationship building is so important, both on a team and then externally with your uh, external stakeholders. But Mary, as Linda does that, you better make sure that you disclose the relationship that brought us to Linda Toro. Oh yes, I know. Well, because Michelle, <laughs> yes, exactly. So my sister, Michelle and Linda. 
So, um, and I'd actually met Linda uh, many years ago as well. And uh, we were at a luncheon together. So at that point, Linda and I had just kept in touch a little bit. And then Michelle's like, oh, remember Linda? And I said, of course I remember Linda. And it was just perfect because it's just the planets aligned and we were looking for a talented team member. So Michelle, thank you so much for just realigning and putting these pieces together and connecting the dots. And Steve, will talk about that chapter in your book a little bit later today as well. Yeah, Linda, talk about that, the relationship part of it and trusting that Michelle said, hey, my sister, the Caucus Educational Corporation, Steve Adubato, you could ignore him, but you, you know how this works. How much does that matter who it comes from? Uh, I think it's extremely important. And as a matter of fact, I can probably track half of my career has been built on relationships and just uh, knowing somebody that knows somebody and, you know, building your own reputation um, around, you know, doing a good job and bringing, bringing it all to the table. Before I let you go, I'm curious about this. You're in South Carolina. Yes. Mary is in Westfield, New Jersey. I'm in Montclair. New Jersey, um, our team's all over the place. It, this would never have been possible. Well, it would have been possible, but we wouldn't have thought about bringing on a top level executive leader, a vice president of marketing in South Carolina for a New Jersey based operation. But in these times, it makes sense. Staying connected when we're probably not going to meet for a while face to face, big deal or not? Uh, it's a big deal, uh, staying connected for sure. I, I don't, uh, I don't anticipate that we would be any less connected now than we would if we were working in the same office every day. The technology is there, and there's no reason that you can't just uh, virtually knock on my office door. <laughs> you know, Linda, Linda's right. As we let Linda go, and, and we did definitely put her on the spot here. And <laughs> thank you for responding the way you did, uh, Mary. What's that expression? Get comfortable with what? Get comfortable being uncomfortable and <laughs> go with the flow. Yeah. And so Linda, Linda Gray is a great, raised a great point. People often say, oh, we're remote. It's hard to stay connected with each other. Well, if you don't Zoom and you don't see each other's face and you don't knock on each other's virtual door, as Linda Toro just said it, it doesn't happen. And by the way, you can work in the same office and not be connected to each other. I think we just lost Linda. Yeah, she she's she's done. She says, I'm out of here. Now we did lose Linda, but if, if we get her back in, that'll be great. And uh, uh, it looks like she may still be on the screen. But just to continue with what she was saying, the importance of building relationships. And it, it's just so funny. And Steve, you and I have talked about on our program. There she is. Linda's she's back. back. The magic of technology. Linda, we want to also, while we're very informal, we want to formally welcome you to the Caucus Educational Corporation, our sister not-for-profit, if you will, production company, and say we're excited about our work together. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Great. You Thank you, it. Linda. We'll talk later. Thank you. Mary, pick up your point about relationships. Sure. Yeah. And Steve, you know, when you and I had met each other 21 years ago, which I still can't believe it, and it was just a relationship. It was a conversation that led to, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you reading? And I always see an opportunity if I'm standing in line at Dunkin' Donuts, if I'm out at a restaurant, if I'm on a conference call, just take that opportunity to listen, to ask open-ended questions, and you'd be surprised the connections that you make in a lifetime. And you know, and, and actually in our lessons in leadership library, where there are a bunch of, even though there are a bunch of new books, some of these will be included, and but I won't even go through them. One of the old school ones that will always be in there was the book that Mary and I talked about when we first met, uh, when she was a patient rep and I was in the hospital. 
that book was Don't Sweat the Small Stuff by Dr. Richard Carlson. That is in our lessons in leadership library. You know what, Mary, real quick, I'm going to do this. I'm a baseball fan, Yankee fan. This is, how about this setup? This is Jarek Cole, who is a pitcher for the Yankees, great pitcher. He was accused of using what's called spider tack to grab a, the, the ball better. Major League Baseball did not ban it at the time, but people thought it gave him an unfair advantage. He's asked a question in a press conference. Mary and I do a lot of training about how to communicate under pressure. Take a look at how Mr. Cole, great pitcher, how he responded to the question, do you use spider tack when pitching? Take a look. And have you ever used spider tack while pitching? I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players, and um, you know, I I think. Uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard, and and uh, I've stood pretty stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot, um, you know. And and I again, like I mentioned earlier, there's you know this is important to a lot of people that love the game, and this is including including the players in this room, including fans, including you know teams. And so if MLB wants to you know legislate. Some more stuff. That's a conversation that we can have um, because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this. Okay, so Mary, here's the deal. I know we got a couple minutes left. Some people may ask, may be asking, why on lessons of leadership did you show that? But here's the thing: I argue that leaders need to, even in baseball, sports, um, higher education, healthcare, media, any world you're in, you have to be able to answer a question. And I don't think that. Jared Cole wanted to admit that he used this thing called spider tack. So he just sat there and looked at the camera and it looked terrible. What the heck does that have to do with leadership? Shouldn't he just be a pitcher? I mean, Scarlin's a Met fan, which is another issue, but shouldn't he just pitch for the Yankees? Why should he be in that situation in the first place? Yeah, well, first and foremost, it's all about preparation. When he sat down in front of that camera for that interview, there was probably most likely only one question that he was going to be asked. So it is about preparing for any, and not just an interview. I mean, anybody that's watching this, if you're preparing for a conversation, if you're preparing for a negotiation, you're buying a new house, whatever it is that you're navigating, you need to ask yourself, what are the one or two most, most likely questions that I'm going to be asked? And if so, he would have been much more prepared and not looked so lost like a deer in the headlights. To that point, uh, we had Linda Charo on, who is our new vice president of marketing at the Caucus Educational Corporation. We did an interview with her. For those of you looking who are out there, I know people say the great resignation. Well, some people are looking for jobs. How about you have a job interview? You, ask the, you could ask the question, what are your greatest strengths? What area do you need to improve? What are you most proud of in your uh, professional life? What are you challenged by? Really? You're not prepared for those questions, Mary? I know that we did that late, the Q&A thing. Elvin is saying goodbye. Goodbye to Mary, Steve, and hopefully not Jared Cole, the pitcher for the Yankees. No. He's not great with a microphone, but he's great with the baseball. Let's just hope that without spider tack, he is as well. Lessons in Leadership. Steve, Mary, we'll see you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, 
the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Hi, I'm Michelle Pignatello, Chief Development Officer at Kessler Foundation, here to share with you the impact you can make by supporting Kessler Foundation. Your generosity will champion life-changing rehabilitation research and employment for people in need and help them live independently. Annie can get back to her active family life and regain strength and independence after sustaining a traumatic brain injury in a car accident. Kevin, a stroke survivor, can recover from spatial neglect, a common disability after stroke that often goes undiagnosed. Your support can help Kevin as he rebuilds his life. Tammy can live her best life despite multiple sclerosis. You can give her the tools and confidence to pursue her dreams and claim power over the disease. Natalie, who lives with spinal cord injury, is walking with assistance after a car accident paralyzed her from the waist down. Now you can help her continue to gain strength so she can walk independently. And thanks to you, retired United States Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Justin Constantine, who sustained a traumatic brain injury in Iraq, can help his fellow veterans gain employment and achieve their dreams. With your support, you can change their futures and give them the independence they need to live to the fullest. Please make your gift today. Thank you from all of us here at Kessler Foundation.